Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Adi Bolaños in San Francisco. The pandemic caused homeschool enrollment to boom across California. In the L.A. Unified School District, almost twice as many kids are homeschooled as before the pandemic, up 90 percent in five years. KCRW's Robin Estrin met with some new homeschool families in Los Angeles and has this report about why they stuck with it after schools reopened. The kids here today are part of Children's Forest School, run by homeschool mom Madeline Sarkeesian. The learning that takes place is very organic and very child-driven, and so their their learning happens within the environment and not so much teacher-directed learning or like a curriculum that we have to follow. Up until the pandemic, Sarkeesian was a preschool teacher in a traditional classroom. She didn't know any homeschool families, and she admits she made assumptions. Oh, it must be the extremists, the people who are really religious and only want to stay home uh, with their kids and control, you know, their environment to the minute level. So I had a lot of biases about, you know, what I assumed homeschooling was. I'm like, why wouldn't you have your child in a classroom? Why wouldn't you have them socializing with peers? But once classrooms moved to Zoom, she quickly realized virtual learning wouldn't work for her as a teacher or for her son as a kindergartner in a private school. And so as a family, we had to make a decision. Do we want to continue to pay tuition, first of all, to ha- continue to do remote learning, which is not working for him? Or do we homeschool? A lot of families started asking this question around that time. And together, they've begun to change the face of the homeschooling movement. Before the pandemic... You know, a simple majority was uh, homeschooling predominantly for faith reasons or ideological reasons. James Dwyer is co-author of a book on homeschooling and a professor at William and Mary Law School. He says that when the pandemic started, millions of families started homeschooling. A lot of people across the political spectrum and faith spectrum who maybe never considered it or were afraid to try saw it as kind of a fringe thing to do. Then all of a sudden everybody was doing it, so they got the experience. They were doing what everybody else was doing. It was normalized. Over the last five years, homeschool enrollment in California has jumped by 80 percent, according to school district data analyzed by The Washington Post. Up to three million students are homeschooled today nationally. I was doing homeschool 101s every week, and we were seeing 100 people each time. 
Jamie Heston shepherded many of those families through the transition from traditional schools as a volunteer with the Homeschool Association of California, a secular nonprofit organization. She says a lot of families were pushed into the decision by virtual learning. When parents got a front row seat to their child's education, not all of them liked what they saw. Heston heard from families who said, I'm upset because of the level, the quality, the level of teaching that's happening. I don't think it's deep enough or it's sort of rote learning or it could be what's being taught. That was the case for Covina parent Monique White, who took issue with the online education offered to her then five-year-old. I think it was like a half an hour of the class actually meeting maybe twice a week. And then there was work uploaded every day. It scrambled my brain to see how little work actually came in. So my mind immediately went to, what is he doing there all day? The second problem, White's son is on the autism spectrum, and the special education services he was getting all but disappeared when school shut down. It was a joke. You know, come to find out later, like during the pandemic, they just, there was nothing. And then it turned into, well, we'll do 10 minutes of individual sessions per week. And I'm like, how are you going to have see a transitional kindergartner for 10 minutes? I mean, it takes them 10 minutes to log on and log off. Homeschool enrollment didn't just spike because parents were unhappy. Heston with the Homeschool Association says some saw a real upside to teaching their kids at home during the pandemic. Like, wow, when we're not just sitting for six hours in front of a camera, you know, on the on the computer, we can actually do some really substantive learning. That was the case for Naomi Bjornstead in San Dimas, who had two kids in public school. She teaches her kids the basics like math and reading during the day, and they take private classes in art and science. The family has traveled to a dozen states for learning experiences, and socially, she says her kids are fine. They play sports. Her daughter is in Girl Scouts. Now, Bjornstedt says her daughter wants to go to a private school for high school, but she's doing so well academically that Bjornstedt's nervous to send her. My kids now are almost advanced after, you know, a year of being like intensively homeschooled. I'm like, I I didn't want to put them in a situation where they were going to be bored or where they weren't going to continue advancing in the same way that they were. Homeschooling is now the fastest growing model of schooling in the country, but the boom hasn't resulted in any additional oversight of what or how much kids are learning. In California, a parent just needs to file an affidavit with the state each year, establishing their home as a private school. Record keeping is minimal and nothing has to be reported. Dwyer suggests background checks for parents and semi-annual meetings with a school official. To just have a conversation with the child, to make sure, you know, to get some sense of of how they're doing physically and mentally, uh, and then presentation of some kind of academic results. There are currently no bills in the state legislature to regulate homeschooling. And Dwyer says there's very little political appetite. For The California Report, I'm Robin Estrin in Los Angeles. And that's The California Report for Tuesday, December 26th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm your host, Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day. 
I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. Support for the California Report comes from Stanford Medicine comprising its School of Medicine and Adult and Children's Health Systems, working together to advance knowledge and improve lives, stanfordmedicine.org. The William and Flora Hewlett Foundation, investing in creative thinkers and problem solvers who are working to ensure that people, communities, and the planet can flourish. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy works to create a cleaner, healthier, more secure world for all, on the web at theschmidt.org. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.